We, uh, we started a few weeks ago uh, in, in, a, in a book that's, uh, that is maybe a little, un, you know, not, not common um, or one that we're not familiar with. It's the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. And we looked at this idea of a, of a, a year of jubilee. And, and, and some of us might have been familiar with that. Many of us were, it was kind of a new idea, new concept. And, and we said, where, where we believe God's leading us into this unique year in the life of, of our church of Mosaic is we just turned 15 years old and we're starting in, in a brand new year in 2019. And, and to approach this year as this biblical idea, this biblical practice, this concept of a, of a year of jubilee. And so we looked in Leviticus and found this, this term jubilee. And I think that's the next one. There we go. Um, at, uh, Jubilee. And so it, just a, a real brief kind of reminder and look back is it, it combines these two ideas, one of freedom and one of restoration, one of freedom uh, to remind the, uh, the people of Israel that they had been in slavery and, and they're now free, uh, and then restoration that what is lost is is can be regained and that God provides that and does that. And there's this, this practice of Jubilee that we, we looked at in the book of Leviticus that, that things every 50 years what they would do is they would not plant anything in the land, that they would let the, 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 the literal dirt, the soil rest for an entire year. And what that, what that involved was a step of faith that God would provide when they were used to planting and providing and planting and feeding themselves and harvesting on a regular basis. And so to not do that and, and to let that sit, but then also what they would do is that land that had been sold would be returned to the owner, uh, that debts that were unpaid would be, would be zeroed out that you would have that freedom and restoration so that the people would be made whole again. And it accomplished a lot of things, but one of the things it did is it, 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 it reestablished um, hope and peace when there would be uh, trouble between one another. It, it, it helped people take a step of faith and trust and be reminded that God's providing for them, that they're not doing it themselves. And so looking at that concept and saying, what, what would it be like if this year was a a year of jubilee for us as a church that we rested and trusted in God in a, in a new way. And realizing that part of that is this, this word we looked at a couple weeks ago, uh, the second week of the year was, was love. That, that one of the things that God is, is teaching us in a new way that's inviting us into, that when we say rediscovering Jesus is that God's inviting us to, to love him and be loved by him. And that's such a simple thing. And we looked at the book of Revelations and it, it, Revelation and it talked to, to, Jesus is talking to one of the churches there and says, you've lost your first love. And so saying, we don't, we don't wanna be that. If we're that in any way, we wanna go back and say, God, you're inviting us to know you with all of who we are. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And to realize that, that that's a call that's always on our life. And what does that look like to, to love God in a new way, be loved by God in a new way, that we would know that this year, that we would step into a, that in a new way in this next year. And then last week, we, we looked at what it, what it means to rest. And, and for many of us, that's this, this far-off dream of being able to experience rest in our frenzied, active, fast-paced, anxiety-ridden world. And, and that that's not just something that we long for, but it's a, it's a desire that God's created us as human beings with. And then he talks about it throughout the story of scripture. As we find his story, even uh, Adam took us last week back to the, the creation account that God rested after he created and, and the, the people of God were commanded to, to Sabbath, to rest. And what does that look like for us today? And we want to find out what that means for us as a church in a new way. One of the things that we're doing, and this, this might sell not, is we've, we've added something in, as we've tried to take a number of things out for this year as we enter into Jubilee and, and rest. But one of the things that we've, we've added in is a, is a monthly time to come together and worship 
in the evenings on Sunday. And we've done that uh, just twice now in December. And now as we started this, this year, we, we did that last, uh, last Sunday night. How many of you were there as a part of that? Okay, so there was, I think there was a little over 100 people there. Um, and uh, it, it was in the evening. And we just worshiped for an hour and a half and, and prayed together. And kind of stepped in in a new way, which is a little uncomfortable. Um, I, we kind of said, hey, it's going to look different. And, and it did. And it's, it's a stretch for us. But what it is, is it's actually a time to, to not be highly planned or, or even really prepared. But just to say, we're going to come together and, and worship. And there's a sense of rest in that. Just to bit, be and sit with God and to experience that. What we believe God's doing as we step into a year of Jubilee, as we hear this call to return to our first love in a new way and to grow in that way, to, to rest, to not, to not be active and accomplish a whole lot, but to, to rest is that we believe God's gonna write a new story in us, that he's gonna create something new in us as individuals first and foremost and then as a church. And so this last word I wanna look at today is, is create. That as we enter into a year of jubilee, that these, these three words are what God's calling us into, to love, to rest, and to create. And create can actually seem like, well, isn't that making something new? And, and I want to I look back again in the Old Testament and, and see how is it that God create, created in his people from the very beginning. And then I want to introduce you to just a really simple invitation and tool as we head into this next year um, and, and call ourselves to reading scripture in, in a new way, in a new commitment. If you've got a Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's the fifth book in the Old Testament, the very start of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, and it's uh, the, the people of Israel are are just being invited into their land. They've been given the Ten Commandments. They've, they've gotten the initial shape of what it's going to be to be a new people in a new land. And so they've been slaves for over 400 years. They've been freed. They've crossed across dry land, the Red Sea, uh, that God parted for them. Uh, they took U-turns in the desert for 40 years. And now they're finally coming to the promised land. And it's this, it's this better than even anticipated land. And they're, they're just settling down into it and just becoming the people of God in the land that he's promised. And one of the ways that God said, this is how you are to be, he gives them this instruction. In Deuteronomy chapter six, it starts in verse four. Hear, O Israel, God's talking to his people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus, again, repeats those words, right? We looked at it a couple weeks ago. Uh, Mark chapter 12, uh, Matthew chapter 22, I think it's Luke chapter 10. In three of the four gospels, it's re repeated this story where Jesus says this, he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? Somebody thinks he's gonna trick Jesus, and Jesus responds, this is the greatest commandment. And he gives one, and then he adds on to a second one. But the first one is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And here we have these the original hearing of these words. Love the, the Lord our God is, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then Deuteronomy goes on. These commandments that I give you here today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Uh, this is, a, uh, this is a, a, both a command and an invitation. As this is how the word of God is to be among you as the people of God. And so the, the, again, 
The people are, uh, the Israelites are just becoming a people in their land. They're learning how to be a different kind of people. And one of the first things it said is, hey, this is, this is here, you are here, you exist because there's, there's one God and he's unique. And so they're coming into a land where there had been all different kinds of peoples and tribes and they had all different forms of faith and worship and religion. And they worshiped all different kinds of things. They sacrificed in different ways. They had built different kinds of altars and idols and all different kinds of things. There was kind of this potpourri of options of belief systems and faiths and ways to believe in, in, in something supernatural, something divine, something beyond human power. And, and in the midst of all of those options, God says, you're to be a different kind of people. And at the very beginning, the very first thing that's, that, that's necessary to know about yourself is, is you have a God that's, that's one. Not multiple, not other options, that there's, there's one God. Your God is, is one. And because he's one, he's over and above any others that are out there, other options that you have. This is the one singular God that you're to devote your life to. And your response to who he is and how wonderful he is and how powerful he is is to love him with all of who you are. It's to love to, that you devote completely your life. And and that's a challenge that, that, that waxes and wanes, it comes and goes, it's, it's stronger on some days than others. But the, the shaping part of that is that you're regularly listening to his word that's written to you. That you're regularly going back to that. And it, and it talks in a, in a family setting, in, in your home, as the next generation is being raised up, as, as you have children and multiply and your families grow because you've got land now and you're gonna be here for a long time. And they're still in the land, even today, this morning. He says, as the generations come up, you, you talk about me and my word to you and to your family and to those that are growing up, that you talk about it to your kids. It's, a, it's to be a, a normal part of your coming and going around the breakfast table, at, at, at bed when you go to sleep at night, in, in, in your house, in your fields, with your friends. It's just to be a part of you. And then he gets really specific and he says, uh, wrap it around your your hand and, and bind it to your forehead. And we see Jews even today who, who practice this, that they take it literally. And what they've done is they've taken actually these four verses and they've written it out on really small parchment and then they've rolled it up and then they, they put it in a leather box and then they strap it around their, their arm as they go through morning prayers. And so they're, they're seeking to, to follow this right down to the, to the letter to, to do it literally. Okay, I'm gonna take these words and put it around my wrist, my hand. I'm gonna put it in a box and t- wrap it to my forehead. I think the term is phylacteries. And they started very, very uh, early after this was, was written of doing some form of this. And we see it even today that it's still there. If you go into Orthodox neighborhoods uh, around the world uh, of Orthodox Jews, you'll still see them. You've seen them on TV shows. You, and, and it's, it's still present today that they, they wrap it around their head. Maybe they've got the whole Bible in there now because they can fit it on a microchip or something and put it in there. But, to begin with, it was just those four verses and they, and they, they did it literally. And that's, that's not what we're, we're called to do. We don't have to do that, but it was an effort to honor God even to the, the very letter of, of the law. To have God's word that close to them and to, to pray it and to memorize it. They even have it on the, on the doorposts and you, people do this even today that they put it um, in, there's a little representation of scripture, of God's law, of God's word on doorposts of homes or even in office places and, and things like this. And it's to want God's word always with us. Now, we, we as followers of Jesus today don't, don't do that. I don't, I don't know anyone. I don't have a personal friend in the world that wraps God's word on their forehead in some way or, put, or wraps it around. Um, actually, some of you do. You have an Apple watch and maybe you have an app and you have the whole thing on your wrist and, 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 that's, and that's, that's wonderful. But, but, but most of us don't, don't do that. 
But we can understand the point really clearly that it's supposed to be always present. It's to be, it's to be written on our, on our hearts. That God's word, that this, that this book, what God says to us through this book is to, is to be that close to us. And when anything is that close to us, when it's that vital to us, when it's that important to us, it does something to us. It begins to shape us. And we know this in a very practical way. Anything that is that important to us, that we prioritize, that we keep that close, begins to determine the shape and the pace of our lives. It, it, it shapes who we are as individuals. It affects how we think about every single moment of our day. It begins to determine how we relate to one another. It determines the course and the trajectory of our life. And God's invitation to all of humanity is that, that his word would be that to us before and above anything else of everything else that we read and that we watch and when they allow to influence us, that, that we would go through the, the actual discipline of letting this become close to us and shape us and then shape our relationships. And then for those of us that have families that we're leading and caring for, that it would shape our families, that it would shape the lives of our children and the way that they think about themselves and their world, that it would shape everything about us. That's why that's written in Deuteronomy. It's called the, the Shema, and that's the Hebrew word for hear. And so if you've ever heard that term before, the Shema, this is it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then let these words of Scripture be close to you every day, every moment. Keep them that close to you as if it's on your hands and your, and your foreheads, that it shapes how you live. We find later on in, in the New Testament, uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, listen to this, and when we cover this, we just went through a, 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 a series through the entire book of Hebrews in the fall, and so we, we covered this here, but, but let's read it again. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. One of the things that, that happens when, when we read scripture, um, and this doesn't happen every time, um, but if you've read scripture in any kind of regular, consistent way, you've experienced this, that we don't just read it, it, it begins to read us. And, and that might sound odd, but, but scripture begins to read us. And, and there's this sense of it's not just a detached book. It's not just words on a, on a piece of paper. And again, they're very small and it's very thin and there's so much in there. But it's not just words on, on paper or on a screen that we're scrolling through. That when we read scripture on a regular basis, that we have a sense, because it's what's true, is that there's a, there's a being that's talking to us. That it's a relationship. It's not, it's not just paper. It's not just words. That something else is going on. And that's what Hebrews 4 captures for us. It, it tells us this is what's happening. Something else is going on here. It's alive and active. It's not like a, just a really good novel that we get excited and we picture and we imagine ourselves in it. We can see it as we're reading it. It's not just active like that. It's, it's alive in the sense that it's somebody else communicating to us, trying to get our attention, trying to speak to us. And it describes as it's, it's cutting like joints and marrow. It's, it's dividing. It's, it uses the term judging the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. That it, it reads us and it knows us. That God's word is God speaking to us and reading us and it does something to us when we read it. 
I don't know that this is your same experience, but I just, I just want to tell you what my experience is when I, when I read Scripture. And, and let, me, let me qualify this. When I read Scripture aside from studying and preparing for, for Sunday, when I read Scripture for me that I'm not preparing for somebody else, when it's just, just me trying to hear from God, what, what happens is, is I, I begin to read, and I, I typically don't get, I mean, depending on the book, it takes longer if I'm in Leviticus, but in most other places in Scripture, if, I, if I'm just a few sentences in, what I have a sense of is that there's somebody with me, that, that God's with me, and that as my mind starts to go in every different direction, I have this invitation to come back to what's on the page and to not think about the other things that I've got going on in my day or to think about the sounds around me, but to come back and be drawn back to the page and begin reading. And as that's happening, I have a sense that somebody's inviting me in to a conversation. And I can't help once I realize that that's going on to become a little bit emotional. And I'm not a super emotional guy. That might surprise you. Um, but what happens is I, I, my eyes get drawn down and I, I have this experience that, that God's saying, just, just be here with me. Just, just listen, just read, just slow down, just calm down. And it's as if a parent is putting their arms around me and just one arm around me and just holding me and just saying, just, just relax, you're here, I'm here, just read this. And I, what often happens, and I don't know if this happens for you or not, but my eyes get a little teary and I actually have to wipe, I think they call tears. Um, and and I, have to, I have to clear my ways to, to be able to read. Now, to be perfectly honest, the same experience doesn't happen when I study to, to prepare to do this. That's a whole different experience. And it's wonderful and I love it. But it's different when it's just on my own. It's just, it's just me and Jesus and I'm reading it. I realize he's here with me. You know what? Sometimes I read stuff and it doesn't make sense. And I immediately go, I'm going to grab one of the books off my shelf to understand this. And go, no, I'm just going to keep reading. Sometimes I read it and my mind is fighting to go a bunch of different places. No, just come back. Just, just be here. Just be present. Sometimes I know exactly what it means. And it's familiar. And I've read it dozens of times before. And I have to stop and go, I know this is what it means. What do you have for me today in it? And it invites me into a conversation that God uses his words to reach me in a way that nothing else does. And that's what he's intending to do with all of us. It's alive and active. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. No other book does that. Other books can bore us. Other books can excite us. Other books can take us into fantasy worlds. Other books can educate us. Other books can inform us and train us. But nothing reads us like this does. And Timothy writes... In the second letter of Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture, all of this book, is God-breathed, is God-inspired, and it's useful for all these things, for teaching, rebuking, and often we read rebuking like, good, I can use it to rebuke somebody else. It's usually to rebuke us first and foremost. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, that's us, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped, thoroughly prepared, thoroughly ready for every good work that we're called to, that we're not ready on our own, that we actually need God to, to shape us and to speak to us and to meet us, to prepare us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to train us for righteousness, to teach us. That doesn't just happen on our own. And 
I said this a few weeks ago and I need to say it again. It doesn't, it doesn't just happen in a half an hour or 40 minutes of opening God's word together here. This is great and needed. We all need this. But we also need to be meeting God here on a regular basis. That that's how God shapes us and grows us and equips us for every good work. I, I want to take just a quick minute and, and, and also speak to what this verse points to is that Timothy is saying the scripture is, is reliable and trustworthy. It's God-breathed, it's, it's from God. And we live, in a, we live in a time and a world and a city, and some of us go to schools right now where this book is, is laughed at and not trusted. We had a young gal that, that came to faith uh, uh, a few years ago uh, through some uh, connections here at Mosaic, and, and the, the, she, as she told her story, she said, yeah, I, I, I visited a, a Bible study with some folks from Mosaic, and I, I knew a few friends that, that identified as followers of Jesus, and they went to churches here in the city, and, and one of them said that I, I should start reading the Bible, and so I went into the library. I think it was at, uh, I may get the school wrong, it was either PS, I think it was PSU. I went to the library and, and went to the front desk and asked for a, uh, a Bible, and the person at the front desk laughed at him and said, no, you don't want to read that. That's a waste of time. Um, and then she was righteously stubborn enough to go and find one and, and begin reading it. And she came to faith and we got to celebrate her baptism. But we live in a city that just that laughs at, at, at this book and says it's not reliable. And some of you sit in classrooms where you say, if you, if you, if you trust this, if you, if you let this shape your life and guide your life in any way and instruct you and form who you are, and call you to any kind of life in this world, then you, that's just kind of foolishness. And let's look at the, the technical aspect of how we actually got this book. And that's a great exercise. And without going into all those details and, and, and how this book is, is reliable and trustworthy, and it stands above and beyond, like far beyond any other book that's written in all of human history. There's not another book that even comes close. This is in first place and there's not a second place. Okay, and, and if somebody else tells you otherwise, they're simply just not informed. We spent time uh, two summers ago in a class on Wednesday nights here, and we spent the first couple weeks of that class on how to study the Bible and how this is a trustworthy book and it's reliable, how we got it today. In 2019, how this book got transmitted from, from God to men who wrote it early on and how it came through history and got to us now. And that often is just sidestepped, ignored, and, and bashed. And so I'm not going to go into all those details now, but we're going to post the, it, it's available somewhere, we'll make it available again this week, but the, the, the notes from it and the podcast and the, the PowerPoint that we went through for those couple weeks. I'll give you just one little tidbit. It's often said that, that this was somehow manipulated and got here with, with somebody who had an agenda. And, and the manuscripts that are available now aren't, aren't trustworthy or aren't reliable. There's, there's almost nearly, they're finding more every month but there's nearly 6,000 manuscripts for the New Testament, 6,000. Homer's Iliad has 643. And in most classrooms in the United States, at least, we take that to be a reliable book. And we say there's 643 manuscripts for Homer's Iliad, and we study it and require students to know about it and write papers on it. And for the New Testament, there's 6,000. It's, it's not even close. There's a first place and there's not a second place. If in any way you're asking questions which are very helpful, reliable, and necessary questions to ask, is this book even reliable? There are answers. It will take some work. It will hurt your brain. Your eyes might feel like they're bleeding. The information is out there. If that's a question, this book shapes human beings, me and you, 
in the ways that God intended. And he is inviting us to regularly. And if there's a doubt that this has somehow got an agenda from some human being other than God, or that it's not reliable, or it's, it's just dismissed and it's a fairy tale, I invite you, I challenge you to read and study and research and do the work. And I believe and trust that when you do, whether you believe it or not, you'll find that the actual document of Scripture is reliable and trustworthy. And if you don't, I'd love to have coffee with you. Because we're in a year of Jubilee, because we believe God's calling us back to our first love in a new way, because we want to challenge ourselves to rest this year, because we believe God's going to create something new in us, we want to call ourselves back to Scripture in a new way. And so we're going to do, we've mentioned it the last couple of weeks, but we just, we want to start a reading plan together. And some of you are on reading plans already because it's, we're at the end of January and you started on January 1st and way to go, you're out ahead and fantastic. But if you're not, or if you want to join this, we've just printed a, a really simple bookmark for the first two months. Uh, it's glue or something. March and uh, February and March. And so what this is, is and we're starting in Genesis and, and Psalm, and it's just, it's, it's written. We're going to hand them out as, as, as we take off today. Um, but it's, it's a, a couple chapters every day that will begin to guide us through, but we're not on any kind of pace. We don't have an end date necessarily in mind. We just want to start and start walking through scripture so that we're together, that groups are together, and then it's going to guide our, our teaching starting uh, the fall, next Sunday, this coming Sunday. And so that's available. I also want to introduce to you just a really simple tool uh, that will, if you, if you need it, if you don't have a way to engage with Scripture yet beyond reading, this, this is a really easy one. And it's, it's around an acronym, um, and it's, it's SOAP. And maybe you've heard it before, um, but SOAP, S-O-A-P. It's really simple. So if you choose to, to take this and read Scripture and say, God, would you read me? Would you speak to me? Would I meet you here and say, uh, February 1st, Genesis 1 and Psalm 1, that you'd, you'd read the readings for the day, and then you'd, you'd ask God, which, which verse is sticking out to me? Is there a phrase or a, a, a verse or a couple sentences? And that you would, you would spend time just listening. God, what, what stands out to me? And then you would write that out. You would actually take time and, and write out, which maybe, maybe you only type, maybe you do that, but you, you take the time to, to copy that one or two verses that, that stand out. That's scripture. You move to the O of soap, an observation that you would take a moment just to say, what do, what do I see in this? What's, what's happening? Um, who's involved? Who's affected? What's going on in this particular verse? What's going on in me as I, as I read it? What, what's happening? And then you would actually write that out. Make some observations that you would put pen to paper actually helps us to learn and reflect in a way that, that just logging it mentally um, doesn't. And so that you would just write down some observations. And then, then A is, is application. S-O-A, application. And, and here's where you write down something that you believe God's calling you to, to do differently. Something simple, something small, something dramatic, some radical life change. It, it doesn't matter, but if it's simple and small, you'll, you'll feel like, I can, I can do this this week. That God's speaking to me, he's calling me in to take this one thing that, that I can actually write down and, and do that change in my week. Just maybe a small, slight small change and, and, and write that down. When we write that down, what happens is we're saying, this is what God's calling me into. And we move just from believing to, to doing. To, our behavior begins to change. And again, it just might be something really small and slight, but I, I believe you're speaking to me. I believe this is true, God, but then I'm gonna write it down and actually do it. And, and that takes us into being a completely different kind of people. We're not just 
in our brains or even in our hearts where we're thinking it or imagining it, but we're actually taking a step and becoming different people. And this is how, when we step into this, this is how the people of God, followers of Jesus, have been radically changed and changed others throughout the course of human history. It's when they move from belief to actually taking action. And so application of writing that down, God, I think you're calling me to do this. And then P is, is prayer. Not just that you would pray, but yes, that you would, but that you would write out a prayer to God. That you would write it in first person to God, just like you're talking to God, and I'm not left-handed, to, to just write that down and write it out. I, it, it's really simple, and, and maybe you've, you've got some other way that you engage with scripture beyond, beyond just reading, but this is a tool that I encourage you to, to try out just a couple times a week, maybe. Uh, maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, maybe three times a week, just to take an extra 15 or 20 minutes as you read scripture then to, to run through this practice. I wanna show you mine from a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I, uh, I lead a discipleship huddle uh, of a few men and uh, Wednesday mornings, and we did this together and split up for about 20 minutes and then came back together. And um, that's it. And so you can just go ahead and read that for a moment. I'll, I'll give you a chance. Uh, here, here it is. And, and this was, um, I don't even know how we came across this. I just printed this out for, for the guys in, in my group and we split up for 20 minutes and then came back together and we, we read it to each other. This is what, right. so this is for me, this is Luke, for us as a group, it was Luke 10, 38 through 42, um, which the reason I'm sharing it with you this morning is because I, we did this a couple weeks ago. It was on the, the 9th um, of January and then Adam actually used part of this text in his, in his talk last week and and Phil, I think, actually used part of it in, in a, a worship time that we did at, uh, in the evening. But it's the Mary and Martha story. If you're not familiar with it, I'm not going to read it all. You can read it this afternoon. Um, but the scripture that, that stood out to me uh, was uh, verse 40. But Martha was distracted. So I wrote this out. It's printed right there, but then I wrote it out. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. So I read through it and then just went, which, which one of this really jumps out? And it, this, this just happens. I didn't even have to really stop and think. I knew that word distracted just grabbed my attention. I was like, that's, that's the one. I'm, that's me. I'm distracted a lot. So I wrote it out. Observation. This is what I wrote. Jesus, I regularly busy myself with many things that I believe have or had to be done. Had was the word used in the text. So that's, that's why I, I wrote that. I, I read that Martha came to you with assumptions that are false and an honest request. So her assumptions that the, her things that she was doing were more important. And her request was, hey, tell my sister to get in line. And an honest request. I do the same, but often don't even make it a request. So that's what I wrote. That was my observation. Application. Um, here's what I felt like God was calling me to do. I will come to you and ask if my things to get done are the things that you want me to be working on. So that, that was my application, that one line there. I will come to you and ask if my things to get done are the same things that you want, to be work, want me to be working on. So that, that was my application, pretty simple. And so what I tried to do over the next few days is everything that I, I started to do, go, okay, God, is this, is this me or is this you? I, it might sound, that's just simple. I mean, to, to actually do it and remember to do it is, takes a little work, but it's just simple. God, is this something? And it, it was a delayed reaction. It was, about a, it was about a week later, and then it happened, and I won't go into all the story, but it happened over the course of several days in a row 
that just very clearly God said, nope, those aren't the right things, those aren't the right things, those aren't the right things. And I, and I actually was looking, I talked with some friends, and I said, there's some things that I've been working on that I just need to let go of, because these are the things that God really wants me to work on. And, it, it, and it, it even took me a few more days to realize, oh, this is something I wrote out, and it's like a delayed reaction. Here's my prayer. Jesus, thank you for your grace and patience with me as I too often get busy. And I'm sorry this is so irrelevant to so many of you, so this is just me, but. Jesus, thank you for your grace and patience with me as I too often get busy, believing that getting more done will please you rather than me simply being with you. Interesting that the two weeks after I wrote this, we talked about God calling us to love him, and then last week Adam talked about rest right in line with where I was at. Help me to involve you and go to you with all that I am doing and concerned about, and help me to hear your voice about the the few things that you care about. I don't want to be distracted by things that are not important to you. that, That was my prayer. This isn't rocket science, but what it does is it it disciplines us. It, it invites us to, to gear down and to slow down for a moment. The beginning of our day, at the end of our day, at our lunch break, it doesn't matter. But at some point in our day to, to gear down and actually go, I'm going to interact with, with your word, God. I'm going to let it read me and, and shape me. And it, it, it might not be in a moment, but it might be over the course of several days or weeks, there's, there's slight changes that begin to happen in us. Here's why this is so important. One, that God gets our attention and that our relationship with God and our understanding of God and our connection with God begins to to grow and change. But more than that, when that happens, God begins to work on us and he begins to create something new in us. He begins to make us into new people. And if that happens to a few of us, if that happens to a a good, good percentage of us, if that happens to all of us, Imagine what he could do through our church. We would be a different people. We would be more available, more connected, more responsive to the God of the universe. That's what he wants to do. So when we think about God creating a new story in us, it's not just us as a church. It's got to start with us as individuals. And it's going to start with us hearing from him through scripture. We read Psalm 1 a few weeks ago. It's not up on the screen. Just listen to it again. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. When we're connected with God, when our roots are sunk into his word, and his truth, and he's shaping us. He's going to prosper us. Don't know what that looks like, but that's his promise. And I also want to say, if you want to do this reading plan, you're welcome. I just did the first half of the first chapter of Psalms for you, so you can, you can check that off. I want to invite you to do this with me. Would you close your eyes with me? <clears throat> We're... St- We're in this place where we're in between something that's simple and basic 
And yet for many of us, it feels like a big lurch or leap forward to regularly be engaged with God through his word. And so I want to I want to invite you into this moment right now. We're going to continue to sing and we're going to be invited to these tables in front of us. And as you come to the table, there's a, there's a piece of bread that's broken. It represents Jesus' body broken for us. And there's a cup of juice that represents his blood shed for us. And I want to, I want to invite you to these tables this morning to be reminded first and foremost of the good news of Jesus. But along with that, would you be reminded that, that the God of the universe came to us because he loves us and he's inviting us to know him and to be known by him and as we receive the forgiveness offered in Jesus death and resurrection that that's the beginning of a relationship and so as you come to the tables this morning would you be reminded of God's great love for me and for you would you be reminded of his love for us and that he invites us to be known by him and wants to be in relationship and that there's grace upon grace And that's what stirs our hearts and motivates us to to spend time with him in his word. And so now as we sing, Jesus, would you hear our voices once again? Would you you stir in us, Holy Spirit, a, a desire to be connected to you, to be shaped by you, that you would create in each of us a, a new story, that we would see and grasp more of what it is that you want for us in this life, in this day, in this moment.